the pandemic, social unrest, the state, and the White House. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. Good afternoon, everyone, on this uh, very sunny and pleasant. It is Tuesday. It is uh, April 20th. Good afternoon. It's the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Remember, you can always listen online at our website, which is DePietro.com. I want to say good afternoon to everybody tuning in. It's it's one take two um, on our uh, live stream. It's the John DePietro Show Facebook live stream. You can watch it. If you're on Facebook, you just find the page. Make sure you click the like button. That way you get notified. Um, when, in fact, we do go live. That's the benefit of it. This portion of the program brought to you by Rhode Island's number one garden center. They are open. They are looking fantastic. It's PR Landscape Materials and Garden Center. We're right now, they're located 3688 Quaker Lane in North Kingstown, right off of Route 4. Hanging impatience bags, 12-inch potted tomatoes that look fantastic. How about 10-inch geranium hangers and 12-inch geranium pots, all assorted colors? Beautiful 14-inch moss baskets, all different varieties. Uh, Stop in and see them. They're open seven days a week. And again, remember, they also have beautiful hydrangeas, hyacinthias, uh, screen loom, black brown, hemlock mulch. It's Rhode Island's number one garden center. It's PR Landscape Materials and Garden Center, 3688 Quaker Lane in North Kingstown. You can also find them on Facebook. Well, folks, as we speak, you know, this is... um, what exactly is happening in the world right now? I mean, we're all on edge, or at least the nation is, and law enforcement's on edge. And again, good um, good afternoon, everyone. Right now, it is 12.08 in the Ocean State. It's the John DePietro Show. Remember, you can listen on AM 1380 or 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, which is DePietro.com. <coughs> Excuse me. Make sure you visit the website, DePietro.com. We have a number of different stories up. We do have some video. I was in the city last night. It's terrible. They're getting ready for uh, what they're expecting to be some possible unrest with this whole Officer Derek Chauvin verdict. You heard myself and uh, Donna Perry of the Sun Chronicle discussing it last hour. It's really everyone is uh, is waiting on this as the jury is deliberating. But make sure you visit the website and don't forget to Petro.com. When I mention a sponsor of the website, the beauty of that is when you hear me mention it, if you then go to the website, Depetro.com, no eyes, D-E-P-T-R-O.com, we have them all linked right there so you can link right through. Like Gilmore Furniture, good afternoon to Steve at 1590 Post Road in Warwick, right off of Route 37. Beautiful furniture. It's a nice sunny Tuesday. Why not take a ride right off Route 37, Gilmore Furniture, uh, one mile north of TF Green Airport. Now at the website, boom, it links right through. And you're going to see a store with uh, all American-made furniture. And whether it's a nice new recliner or a sofa or a dining room set or maybe a new mattress. How are you sleeping these days? Gilmore Furniture, up to five years interest-free financing. Stop it and see Steve. You can call him at 737-0100. Bad credit, no credit, no problem. Gilmore Furniture, no credit financing. Call today, learn more. 737-0100, located 1590 Post Road, Warwick, right off of Route 37. No, everyone is uh, is anxiously awaiting to see exactly what's going to happen with this verdict. Now, someone who has uh, followed this this trial, um, I, I don't... 
you know, it's it's really difficult to tell what's going to happen here. I, I, if not impossible, uh, the prosecution made a very strong case. Um, as I have said, and just you know, to be clear, I, I, I don't think it was enough for second degree murder, but definitely negligence. He was in their custody, George Floyd. He was. And that that should not happen. It is true. It's true. I mean, the testimony showed he popped two Percocets. Apparently had some fentanyl. Apparently had a bad heart. But if you handcuff a guy and put him on the ground and he dies in your custody, there's going to be ramifications for it. So I don't I don't know exactly what it's going to be. There is a good story that talks about the the uh, the jurors. And I I'm going to get to that in momentarily as a matter of fact but i mean i i can't see now again there's three charges i i don't think they i don't think i don't know i don't think they get all three but the first week of the trial when they had all those people testifying i'll tell you what i think really hurts officer chauvin I know he didn't take the stand, and I know some people have said, well, he had some other past incidents. If he had taken the stand, they could have brought it up. I know this always comes up. He does not have to take the stand. He doesn't have to. It's part of our system, presumed innocent. He is presumed innocent. It is the state to prove the case. I've seen whenever people don't take the stand, sometimes they regret it. Um, A good example was Mayor Cianci. People were very surprised when he did not take the stand. Uh, but he, but he had had some things he did in the past that he was afraid that if he took the stand, they'd be able to ask him about it. So that was one of the reasons. But I, as someone that followed it, I think he would have been better served to get up there and just say, hey, listen, I, I feel terrible what happened. I think about it every second of every day. I wish I could do things differently. The defense did a pretty good job of he's called into the scene. The guy's not complying. Apparently, the rescue took longer than expected, but the crowd was yelling, get off him. The crowd was yelling, he's not breathing, take his pulse. I think the crowd instructing the police and the police like turning a blind eye. And I get the whole thing because I think when the defense attorney got up there and I thought he did a, a good a job as he could have, which is Eric Nelson, the, defer, the defense attorney, I, I thought he did a pretty good job of. So, you know, this past Saturday, there was a bad fire in Providence. So you have the Providence firefighters. They're out there. And I I believe it was a three-alarm blaze, that apartment complex that went up. So are the firefighters in the practice of if somebody comes over and says, hey, you're holding that hose wrong, or you guys are approaching it wrong, do they start soliciting tips from the crowd that is gathered on the sidewalk as how they're supposed to fight the fire? The answer is no. And much like at a crime scene, Police are not accustomed to people saying, hey, you should do this, you're doing that wrong. So I think one of the least convincing witnesses was that female off-duty firefighter who had been a firefighter for all of one year. Who's, you know, and she's dressed regular clothes and she's yelling at the police like everybody else. But the bottom line, at one point when one of the officers said, should we get him off the pavement and... It was Chauvin that said, no, let's leave everything as is. Right there in that moment, they could have sat him up, and they should have sat him up. He wasn't going anywhere. 
He didn't have a gun. He didn't have a knife. There was no violence. I'm just trying to think of the situation where you would have someone in that position. He was very uncomfortable getting in the car. All true. He seemingly was resisting arrest. True. Apparently on drugs. Again, true. But the knee on the neck is a problem. The knee on the neck. Do I fully think that's what caused the death? Apparently the cause of death is unknown. At least that's when, you know, they've testified to. So, but, so I'm saying I, 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 they definitely, I think, have him on the, the manslaughter. I don't know enough about this third degree murder in Minnesota. Not every state has that. They have it. I don't know what to make of the second degree murder. We know that they're promising they're going to be writing. But what I have a problem with is, like, what is this that's going on? We're all on edge. The country is in lockdown. And I have a problem with this this mob rule that we're living through right now. Can you, like, where does this go? Where does this go that, what if that, um, what if every time there was going to be a Patriots home game, if the Patriots lost at Gillette, you better get the police ready all around Foxborough because there's a pretty good indication that there's going to be a riot after. Who would tolerate that? You know, Alan Dershowitz was on Newsmax yesterday saying, well, you know, you go way back to the South, and I guess way back, but the, the Klan used to stand outside the courthouse. Talk about intimidating a jury. And I will mention how the judge even said that the actions of Representative Maxine Waters, like getting up into people's faces, we cannot continue with this mob rule. We, it, it can't. There's a very interesting story, though, in this morning's Boston Globe. And it's written by Amanda Milkovitz. And I think it, it's very well written. She's a great reporter. Uh, Last night, about 100 people gathered in Providence Monday night. It was a much bigger turnout than I thought it was going to be. I'm not that familiar. So there's a kind of a new group, and they merged with the socialists. And they, from Monday night, not a lot of publicity, 100 people, and there was no local. That's that's actually not bad. That's pretty good. Um, No arrests. There was no violence. They didn't break anything. There was nothing like that. But the story in this morning's Boston Globe, what I thought was really interesting, of course, they did it for the 13-year-old boy, Adam Toledo, who was shot in Chicago, basically 3 o'clock in the morning. He's running through an alley. He's a member of the Latin Kings. He's with a 21-year-old gang member of the Latin Kings. They had just fired at a passing car. Almost 3 o'clock in the morning, he's 13 years old. Terrible. Where are the parents? Where are the family? So... If you've seen it, that's with the officer. And then they're trying to say, well, at the last second, he dropped the gun and put his hands over his head. Well, why did he have a gun in the first place? Says he's being chased by a Chicago police officer. Protest organized by the Black Lives Matter Rhode Island PAC, new group, in the Party for Socialism. So these are really more of the Antifa crowd, Black Lives Matter crowd, definitely. Um, (coughs) But I want to get to... This person, Cedric Huntley, 
So he was, I, I'm unaware, and I'm not sure if he was there last night or if Amanda Milkovitz just happened to contact him. Maybe, I think he was there, actually. But let me just, this is really interesting. And what are you doing right now? Um, my criticism of the locals, this, this man sums up. He's the executive director of the Nonviolence Institute, which protesters, listen to this, would pay similar attention to the young men, young men dying on Providence streets. In Rhode Island, it's not the police killing our children. It's black and brown children killing each other, said Cedric Huntley. He's the executive director of the Nonviolence Institute. And the community is traumatized. Just in the last week, two men were killed, three others were wounded in shootings. Joshua Costa, 31 of Lincoln, was the city's fifth homicide, murdered April 16th, gunfight, auto body shop on Harris Avenue. Uh, Isis Bullis was shot to death April 12th, sat in a car in Elmwood. Older brother had been murdered three years earlier. Another man was shot and wounded at the makeshift memorial, Niantic Avenue, I believe. Two men more, two more men were shot on Hawkins Street April 15th, one critical condition. So no one marches in their names, Huntley said. Their memorials are often just candles on a sidewalk. No one's saying anything about the kids who get shot. I think they're missing it. I would love for every time black or brown kids are killing each other, I'd love to see them out there protesting. So I'm going to make contact with him. Cedric Hudley, executive director of nonviolence. Um, he also says they become desensitized and they're touched by this violence because it's their, the trauma experience comes out. It's a never ending cycle. Huntley opposes the movement to defund or abolish the police. That is not something the Institute feels is a viable solution. Actually, it's really violent. If violence happens, the only people equipped in our community to deal with and respond to it are the police. Most of the shootings have been of twisted connections, some going back generations. He'd rather collaborate with the community, the families, please figure out how to intervene in the violence that's claiming the lives of the city's young men. He says, we can talk about gun violence, high capacity magazines, guns on the streets, but it's the people we have to reach that are creating this. It's a small percentage, but it impacts the entire community. He said, the whole community needs to take responsibility for stopping the violence, not just the police, the street workers, the social workers. It's not someone else's problem. He said, right now, the families are suffering alone. At the protest at the Rhode Island State House last night, activists demanded the mayor of Chicago resign over the shooting of the death of Adam Toledo. One young woman recited all the things the boy would never do because he was shot by a Chicago police officer. Huntley was thinking about the children growing up in Providence. Black and brown kids are killing each other and nobody is protesting. Nobody's standing next to the mothers. No one goes to the vigils. Nobody's. He is exactly right. I'm reaching out to this person. Uh, he's the first one to speak up. You know, I have talked about this. I have gone, as many of you know, to cover a lot of these. And they can chant off Brianna Taylor, George Floyd. Now they say uh, Dwight Wright. Uh, you know, um, the Toledo kid. And they don't even know or mention the locals. Think how m- crazy that is. Um, they're calling for the mayor of Chicago to resign. You, you're having no bearing on that in any way. Are you really trying to make a difference or are you just there for show? 
really like what's what's the real objective? Are you there to really try to make impact or are you just there for show? This man is exactly right. And it's about time someone calls them on it. There should be, you know, something else that no one talks about that I know firsthand. And again, folks, good afternoon. It's John DePietro on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. <clears throat> is many times the people that are shot locally, their family, they don't even cooperate with the police. They do not cooperate with the police. And I know you would think, well, that's crazy. If you knew who shot your brother or your cousin or your neighbor or your friend or of course, of course you would. Co- no, they do not cooperate with the police. The police can't get any information. No one talks. A lot of times, what's an important piece of evidence that the police would like to get? Think about it. Someone goes somewhere. So they're then shot dead. Very good chance they were meeting someone. Whoever they were meeting pulled up and seemingly shot them and killed them. What would be a very important piece of evidence? The cell phone. Maybe they were texting that person. I will meet you at, you know, such and such location. Do you know many times when the Providence police are trying to solve one of these murders, the families will not give them access to or provide them with the cell phone of the person that was shot and killed? Does that make sense to anybody? Nope. They remove it. No, he did not have a cell phone. Nope. You're going to have to solve this on your own. We're not cooperating. What, what are we talking about here? I respect the words of Cedric Hudley. I'm going to reach out to him. Uh, He's the first person. You know, I've said this in the past. There are shootings in Providence, and they they say nothing about it. Instead, they want to chant all these national names, and they're not making any impact. No matter, last night there were 100 people at the Redondo State House. As I said, much larger than I thought it was going to be. If I had known it was going to be that big, I would have gotten made the proper uh, uh, security things and so forth and or just proper preparations and gone and covered it and so forth. But anyhow, uh, but aside from that, I have been at many of these and they can't name, they don't even know any of the locals that are shot and killed. They don't do anything to march against the violence. Uh, he is exactly right. The families, you'll see a vigil set up, some candles on the streets, but they ignore it. They'd rather march about something that happened in Louisville. They'd rather march about something that happened in Wisconsin. They'd rather march and scream and yell at the police about something that happened in Minnesota. Somebody is shot and killed, right, in uh, Providence. Silence, zip. How about the fact down in Narragansett, you have that young, that woman who basically is claiming and testifying this video of her being assaulted and by at least three young men, I think it's four young men, but they happen to be some of them, I think, are members of the Narragansett Indian tribe. So you have a young woman who is being, uh, she was, I think, intoxicated. I don't know about drugs, but a couple of them are still being held without bail. And, and when you think how atrocious that is, who do you think the community is with? Are they with the woman, the young woman that came forward? Who's working with the police in the attorney general's office because she was victimized and sexually assaulted? Or do you think the community is with the alleged suspects and the perpetrators? 
They're with the alleged suspects and the perpetrators. So much for Believe Women. Folks, last night I was down uh, in front of the mall across from the State House where police are on guard. I think this is crazy that we have moving into, moved into the situation now where the whole nation is on pins and needles waiting for this verdict. But there it went. A bus went by. And what did it say? Fight back, call Jack. Now, listen, right now, it's 1226, and I have a lot of sound to play for you. 1226 on this Tuesday. I want to remind you, if you're listening right now, and maybe you were in an automobile accident, or a motorcycle accident, or a slip and fall, or maybe a workplace injury, you are entitled to be compensated for your suffering. And many times the insurance companies, I'm not saying it's easy, but they will not play ball with you the way you should. But I want to repeat, you are entitled to be properly compensated for your injuries. But you need a fighter. You need Jack, Jack Calvino. That's who I would call. You call him. 785-9400. Listen to me very carefully at 1227 on this Tuesday. If you were in an auto accident, motorcycle accident, slip and fall workplace injury, or a dog bite, domestic abuse, if you want to make sure, free consultation, that you have a fighter in there to get for you every nickel that you're entitled to, let him fight and get it with the insurance company. Fight back, call Jack. Don't take it. Don't take it. You don't have to be the fighter. Let him be the fighter. Listen, maybe you were hurt in a workplace injury or slip and fall. You need to take care of your injuries. You or your family member. Let Jack Calvino handle them. You're entitled. You're entitled to be compensated. I want to make sure you get exactly what you're entitled to. Call right now. Free consultation. 785-9400. 785-9400. Fight back. Call Jack. Or online at fightbackcalljack.com. I was there last night at uh, where the police were, and then a bus went by and right on it said, Fight Back, Call Jack. Fight Back, Call Jack. And online at fightbackcalljack.com. 785-9400. Well, folks, good afternoon. Here I am. It is Juan. It's John DePietro. Remember, go to the website. We have a lot of video up there. And uh, also remember the website, depetro.com, which is brought to you by Soul Source Restoration. Call for a free quote today, 712-2700. You can link right through at the website. You want to make sure as far as cleaning, you're taking every precaution necessary because of the virus. Soul, S-O-L-E, Soul Source Restoration. Call Mike Seepy and his company at 712-2700. 712-2700 for Soul Source Restoration. All right, let me get to some of the sound. And again, I also want to mention, there's a good story. You know, who are these jurors? The jurors are feeling, uh, as you can imagine, tremendous pressure. Last hour, I played the fact that the judge is even admitting that that Maxine Waters with some of the, you know, her threatening violence, absolutely threatening violence, encouraging violence. She needs to be held accountable. She absolutely. How is that not inciting violence? How is that not being a domestic terrorist? So let me get to uh, right now. This was a Good Morning America. This is insane. Minneapolis, how state of emergency they're bearing up ahead of the, the Derek Chauvin verdict. So 
Is anything going to make them happy? What if it is second degree murder? What if it's manslaughter, third degree, but they say we just don't see the second degree murder? So they're going to destroy the city? What, what, ex- what exactly is going on here? Businesses like this one boarded up. Take a look at these barricades that set up here. And thousands of National Guardsmen and troopers have been brought in from other states to help and assist local authorities here and are on alert as the state of emergency has been declared in the region ahead of a verdict in the trial of Derek Chauvin. Now, the governor is saying that they cannot allow civil unrest, but that they also need to listen to those communities in pain, adding that systemic and fundamental changes need to be be made and that's what we've been hearing for days from protesters across the nation over police killings. Now here in the Twin Cities, hundreds of high school students walked out of class in protest on Monday and starting tomorrow here, schools will remain remote through Friday as the world awaits a verdict. You know, that, that this is absolutely insane. Listen, rioting is wrong. Violence is wrong. I will never understand the looting. Never, never. It's wrong, and it should be called out. But boy, you're not going to get any leadership from the White House. Now, this was key takeaways. Uh, Good morning, America. Their piece this morning. Expected closing arguments would go about two hours. Instead, they went about six hours. Both sides using every second to try to convince the jury. Overnight, hundreds of protesters taking to the streets surrounding the courthouse demanding justice for George Floyd. Terrible. Officials here and across the country bracing for more. This morning, jurors in the trial of Derek Chauvin beginning their second day of deliberations. His name was George Perry Floyd Jr. After hearing more than six hours of closing arguments, prosecutors describing George Floyd's anguish as Chauvin pinned him to the pavement. For nine minutes and 29 seconds, the defendants wait on him, desperately crying out. A grown man crying out for his mother. Prosecutors arguing Chauvin used unreasonable force and failed to render aid despite the crowd of bystanders pleading for him to get off of Floyd. He was not going to let these bystanders tell him what to do. He was going to do what he wanted, how he wanted, for as long as he wanted. When his attorney began closing arguments, Chauvin removing his mask as he faced the jury. Mr. Chauvin should be found not guilty of all counts. The defense replaying several body cam videos arguing Chauvin's actions were reasonable based on what he knew about the officer's struggle with Floyd before he arrived on the scene. And a reasonable police officer would consider whether to use an additional force to overcome the suspect's level of resistance. The defense calling Floyd's death tragic, but also arguing Chauvin did what he was trained to do and telling the jury Floyd's death was caused by a fentanyl overdose and untreated heart problems. The failure of the state's experts to acknowledge any possibility, any possibility at all, that any of these other factors in any way contributed to Mr. Floyd's death defies medical science and it defies common sense and reason. Folks, again, that was uh, this morning on Good Morning America. You know what else, by the way? And at 1233, good afternoon, everyone. It's John DePietro on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. You know, it's an incredible story that certainly is not going to get the type of attention it should But it was released yesterday that U.S. Capitol Police Officer Brian Sicknick experienced two strokes and passed and died 
of natural causes. He worked January 6th at the Capitol and died January 7th. First, we heard he was beaten to death with a fire extinguisher. That was a lie. Then we heard that it was always that uh, the deer spray, the beer spray, excuse me, the beer spray, that that did something. That was a lie. Nope. Two strokes. Ultimately, one person died at the Capitol. One. And that was the unarmed female protester, Ashley Babbitt, who was shot and killed by Capitol Police. What was Cicilline saying during the impeachment? Impeachment manager Cicilline, does he go back and say, oh, by the way, I, I guess I was wrong. How about Joe Scarbo? The Trump people beat him to death. Wrong. They say five people died. One died that day at the Capitol. Ashley Babbitt, unarmed Air Force veteran, was shot and killed for being a protester. As far as Brian Sicknick, he had a stroke. Two other men died of a stroke outside the building at the speech where the president spoke. And then the fifth person was a young woman who died of a fentanyl overdose. They initially said she was trampled to death. That was a lie. So she had either taken or smoked fentanyl. She went inside the building and then OD'd right there. So in the end, there was one death on January 6th. One death. And that was the unarmed protester, Ashley Babbitt, who was shot and killed by Capitol Police. And there were no charges. And the name of the Capitol Police officer that shot and killed her has never been released. So as far as the jury, six white jurors, six black or multiracial people, seven are women, five are men. Um, A closer look. Juror number two is a white man in his 20s, works as a chemist. He works in a lab. He tests samples for contaminants, may be harmful, enjoys outdoor activities. Juror number two said he worked for seven or eight summers at a camp through his childhood synagogue, considers himself to be a logical thinker. Only juror in the panel said he's never seen bystander video of Floyd arrest. Juror number nine Multiracial woman in her 20s has type 1 diabetes. Grew up in northern Minnesota. Uncle who's a police officer in the area. Described herself as a go with the flow, open mind type. Said she was super excited to get her jury notice. Said she only watched the bystander video once. Gave her somewhat negative impression, impression of Officer Chauvin. Video just makes you sad. Nobody wants to see somebody die whether it's fault or not. She said there could be other possible explanations for his actions, suggesting Floyd may have been resisting or civilians' lives may have been in danger. Juror number 19, white man in his 30s, auditor, tries to resolve conflict, has a friend who's a canine officer with the Minneapolis Police Department. He said he supports Black Lives Matter as a general concept, but disagrees with some of the group members who go about things. Unfavorable, unfavorable opinion of Blue Lives Matter. He wrote in his questionnaire, heard Floyd was on hard drugs, said he doesn't believe it should have much impact on the case. Whether you're under the influence doesn't determine whether you should be living or dead. Well, but if you're talking about cause of death, I disagree with that because it does come into play. Juror number 44. Now, again, these were the numbers given as they're going through the process. I don't want people to think that they have that many jurors. You have the traditional and then the alternates. So you have the 12 and then the 
Uh, it's at least two alternates, I believe, if not more. Juror 44 is a white woman of 50, single mom of two teenage boys, executive in a nonprofit sector working healthcare. She had prior professional dealings with the Minnesota Attorney General. Uh, she exposed a lot of news about the case, adding the media's bias, doesn't have all the facts. She saw only part of the bystander video. Empathy for both Floyd and Chauvin. She said a somewhat negative view of Chauvin, neutral opinion of Floyd. He was not a model citizen, but didn't deserve to die. Juror number 52, black man in his 30s, described himself as friendly, positive person, works in banking, likes sports, especially basketball, coaches youth sports, write creatively, had neutral opinions on Chauvin and Floyd. Said he had not seen the bystander video its entirety, but seen clips of it two or three times. Said he had not posted about it on social media, but talked with family and friends uh, about his opinion. Why didn't the others stop Chauvin? And by the way, several things about Chauvin. Number one, this business of he's on the ground, he stops resisting, he's handcuffed, knee on the neck. When the other officer said, do you think we should put him on his side? And Chauvin says, no. Let's just stay put. I believe that is the jurors will say that was a decisive manner. Chauvin, by the way, folks, um, was was George Floyd resisting arrest? Yes. Was he on drugs? Apparently. But Chauvin's actions to pin pin put your knee on his neck while he's handcuffed on the ground is uh, it was completely unnecessary. They could have sat him up. And as the crowd started to yell, now maybe he said, oh, I'm just going to ignore the crowd. But it turns out the crowd wasn't wrong. So I, I, I don't know what's going to what happen. I am curious to hear what the jury thinks about it, obviously. But um, I want to be very clear that I, I don't think he should be let get off on this whole thing, meaning I don't think Chauvin should should walk. There, it was uh, he was in their care. He was under arrest. I'm just trying to think that if that was a friend or family member of mine and there's like a minor mishap and supposedly passes the bill and it's for cigarettes and then they end up putting my handcuffs on the ground and someone just got his knee in the neck and then the person ends up. It was unnecessary. It didn't have to happen. Should have sat him up. He wasn't going anywhere. All right. You call the ambulance, sit him up. I, I, the whole thing should have been avoided. Could have been avoided. So I'm just not convinced they have him on the second degree murder. My opinion. Um, let's see. Getting back to juror 52, favorable view of Black Lives Matter. Juror 55, white woman in her 50s, single parent, youngest as a teenager. Uh, Joy's riding motorcycles, picked it up. Her late husband was interested with him. She was disturbed by the bystander video. I couldn't watch it anymore. Unfavorable view of Officer Chauvin. Feels it could have handled the situation differently. I agree. Said she wouldn't be able to form an opinion until she has all the facts. She has a basic trust in police, somewhat unfavorable view of Black Lives Matter. Saying all lives matter to me. Um, what, what is tragic with this is Chauvin was the senior officer. One of the younger officers said, should we just put him on his side? The answer should have been, yeah, let's get him on his side. Better yet, let's sit him up. Waiting for the ambulance. Holy cow. 
Juror 79, black man in his 40s, works in management, lived in the Twin Cities area for about two decades. Says he lives in a suburb, though suspect was never caught. Uh, his house was burglarized. Said he trusts police, feels it's appropriate jurors to evaluate their actions. Jurors 85, multiracial woman in her 40s, has a neutral view of Floyd. Juror 89, see folks, this gives you an idea just how many people they talk to. White woman in her 50s lives in the suburbs, registered nurse. That's interesting. She was uh, questioned extensively about her experience as a nurse, whether or not she's ever resuscitated anyone. Woman said she would draw upon her knowledge to evaluate. Um, she somewhat disagrees. It's not right to second guess decisions officers make. That's interesting. Juror number 91 is a black woman in her 60s. Woman of volunteers with underserved youth said she watched the bystander video of Floyd's arrest for about four or five minutes and shut it off. It wasn't something I needed to see. She grew up 10 to 15 blocks from the site of the arrest. You know, how are they supposed to go back into the community based on the fact that Maxine Waters has been calling for uh, that there's going to be violence after this? I mean, it's really, really, it, it is an absolute disgrace. It is. And she should be held accountable. And, you know, I know many of you like to contact or should contact Congressman Cicilline or Congressman Langevin. If you call and you're polite, I think that's fine. But I think a fair question is Congressman Cicilline, David Cicilline, who is very, very outspoken. Obviously, he was one of the impeachment managers with President Trump. But... He uh, he should call out and condemn the comments of Representative Maxine Waters. Um, we we this 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 mob rule that we have fallen into it, it can't continue. And the White House is tone deaf. The white you know last night when President Trump was on with Sean Hannity, Hannity was right. Biden President Biden basically does one appearance a day. That's it. The rest you don't see him. So when he said those things about this is Jim Eagle and Jim Eagle on steroids and that's Jim Crow and all this other stuff, I I don't think he, you know, someone wrote that for him. I don't know who wrote it for him, but someone wrote that to hit for him. And it is the, 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 there there are people that are making good arguments about some of this stuff. You know, I, I support those. They're saying that Maxine Waters she should have. You, you can't say things like that. You can't be encouraging. She went to Minneapolis and said those things, and Cicilline and Langevin are silent. How about you know that Seth Magaziner, the general treasurer, he wanted that Representative Justin Price to resign because he went to the speech on January sixth in Washington, and yet he's silent when Maxine Waters talks about, you know, you need to take to the streets and we need to be more aggressive. And they're silent about it. Folks, right now at 1244, I want to remind you about our friends at Competition Shooting Supplies. Firearms, ammunition, call them today, 435. Stop in and see them, 435 Benefit Street in Pawtucket. They have a great Facebook page, uh, but you can call them at 727-1716. Now, I want to remind you, it is your Second Amendment right to have a firearm. And because of the unrest... People become very fearful that someone who knows who is going to come into their business. So if you go to competition shooting supplies, you can take the test. 
to get your blue card, where then, you know, there's a process to go through in order to be approved to get a firearm and then to be able to purchase firearm. But if you're going to purchase firearms and ammunition, whether it's for self-defense or for hunting, I suggest and encourage you to go to competition shooting supplies because John Francis is very knowledgeable. And on top of that, listen, he's a very responsible shop owner. Competition shooting supplies. 727-1716-435 Benefit Street in Pawtucket. The defund the police crowd, what they don't even realize is all this talk about defunding the police, all they're doing is driving up gun sales. And much like that Representative Talig, Congressman Cicilline is silent about her. How about the fact state senator, Tierra Mack, talking about abolish the police. Forget, no, it's time to abolish. And no one says anything. I mean, no one elected says anything. It is unfair. I am so impressed by the words of that member for the uh, study of nonviolence saying these kids and folks, let's you know, I saw some of it last night. The crowd is if there were 100 people. I'm not exactly sure. I'll I'll take the Globe's word for it. But if there's 100 people that were there last night, I'm going to say 80 to 85 percent of the people that were there last night are white. Now, it would make sense since the protests were socialists. But why are you condemning the police yet let yet your silence on young people being shot and killed? Black young men being shot and killed in South Providence, and you don't say a word about it. It doesn't impress me if you're marching around screaming about George Floyd and a 13-year-old member of the Latin Kings that was who, who was in the wrong, you know, you're 13 years old, it's 3 in the morning, and you have a gun, and you're in a battle with a Chicago police officer. The society has failed you to get you in that situation. I don't expect a 13-year-old who's a member of the Latin Kings, to know what's the right thing to do at three in the morning as he's in an alley suddenly with a Chicago police officer who's telling him to drop the weapon. I wouldn't expect him to know. But if you want to impact things locally, impact things locally. And instead, when they talk about things locally, they lie about the situation with Jamal Gonzalez, much like that woman did last week. Hey, folks, I want to remind you now on a nice Tuesday like this afternoon, maybe you've been thinking about improving the look of your home or business. J. Perry Paving, residential, commercial, seal coating patios. You can call them for a free estimate. Look for them on Facebook and then also their website, which is jperrypaving.com. Letter J, jperrypaving.com. You can call them for a free quote, 732-1730. Now. Right now at 1248, if you are a veteran or you are related to a veteran, no one has a better deal for paving for veterans than J. Perry Paving. Maybe residential asphalt driveway. You know, it improves the look of your home. It's affordable. It's smooth and safe to drive on. Benefits of asphalt paving, aesthetically appealing. Asphalt can be recycled, reused. Remember, call them for a free quote, 732-1730, 401-732-1730.
J. Perry Paving. Affordable, smooth, safe to drive on, aesthetically appealing. Call for a free quote. J. Perry Paving. And look for them on Facebook. They're located right in Warwick. Again, 732-1730. Well, folks, good afternoon. It's John DePietro on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Again, we go until 2 o'clock. The entire country now is on verdict watch. And there's three different charges. You know, I'm not going to try to guess where they're going to go, but uh, where the jury is going to come up with. I know, though, regardless of what the verdict is, there should be no violence. And something else that I want to point out to you that I don't think enough people know enough is, and I am not justifying in any way, that situation in Chicago with the 13-year-old boy. Now, I posted that on the Facebook page. He was 13 years old. He had fresh ink um, from being a member of the Latin Kings. It's almost three in the morning. He was with another Latin King. They were firing at a car. Someone called in. Shots fired. The police respond. They see two individuals. They follow them. The police officer gets out. He's now chasing, and he's following the gun. And the gun, now he doesn't know how old this kid is. The gun happens to be in the hands of the 13-year-old, not the 21-year-old Latin King member. Now, when he shot Eric Toledo, it was one shot. This was not a hail of bullets. It was one shot. The police officer... In Brooklyn Center, when she supposedly made a huge mistake. And I I have no reason to believe she didn't make a huge mistake. And she's going to have to pay for that mistake. Where she thought she was reaching for a stun gun. But instead she had her handgun. That was one shot. And that's all it takes to kill someone. But two things about that. Number one, what a lot of people, it doesn't get examined enough. And right now, if you're listening on this Tuesday... Most police in our country, especially Rhode Island, most police officers that I know that retire and served on the force, they never fired their weapon. I repeat, that's only in the movies or television or whatever. That is a, that is a myth that police are out there all the time. Most of the time, you talk to any member of the state police a lot of different police. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to, I don't have to name all the different communities, whether it's Smithfield or Johnston or Cumberland. Most police officers, when they retire, they've never fired their weapon. By the way, knock on wood, thank God they never had to. So when, and just think about that. A lot of police. Now that woman in Minneapolis, Dante Wright, who was training at least one officer, if not two officers, I haven't heard yet. She may never have fired a weapon before. And this officer in Chicago that shot the 13-year-old member of the Latin Kings, there's a very good chance he had never fired his weapon before. I don't think people appreciate this fear. You are running. Someone has a gun. And if someone is turning, the reason you turn is to mark your target. You know, it's only in a movie where they're like shooting, not looking, and they're running the other way. In real life, when someone turns, they're marking their target, so they're going to shoot. So when, And it's tragic. But when that young boy is looking and tossing the gun with his hands up, all you know is there's a very good chance he's going to turn and fire at you as he's marking the target. But I don't think that gets highlighted enough. That 
this this is not a film. You know, some people say, well, why didn't they shoot him in the leg? A lot of times they've never even shot before. And this isn't like a barrage of four, five, six bullets. This isn't Amadou Diallo, 38 shots. One shot. This isn't The Godfather, right? Five shots and he's still alive. One shot. That's all it took. That's how dangerous. That's how lethal the, the guns are. One shot. Boom. That, that boy has lost his life. Um, and the same thing with uh, Dante Wright that somehow gets glossed over that we, we, you recognize he was trying to escape the scene, right? He wasn't complying <clears throat> regardless of the situation. Uh, that she made the mistake. Another thing that happened was that, I, I don't know what the answer is, but you have the situation in Indianapolis, right? That eight, eight dead mass shooting. Now, somebody screwed up. I'm not convinced that the government should be in charge of a lot of this stuff anymore. I'm really not, folks. Um, let's face it, you know, between... Anytime the government gets involved or states get involved, things don't go that smooth. I'm starting to think, for instance, the database, if we have this story correct, that FedEx shooter who the the mother did the right thing. This guy can't have this weapon. And then someone screwed up and then he was still able to legally buy two weapons, even though he was medically, you know, shouldn't have been. Someone's going to be held accountable for that. And I, I just get the feeling that if the private sector handled it, there'd be less error. I just, I feel that way. You look at the problems with the registry of motor vehicles. Anytime you have to rely on state service, city service, government service, there's mistakes. I think they should hand it over to the private sector. I bet things would run more efficiently. Uh, there, there are, before we talk about gun legislation, why don't we start enforcing a lot of the laws that we have? And people have to be held accountable. That police officer, the woman that made the mistake in Minneapolis, she thought she was going to use the taser, and instead she had her pistol. I, you know, it's not just enough to say, oops, oh, well. Of course she didn't mean, I believe she didn't mean to, but that guy lost his life. Someone's going to be held accountable for all this. Uh, but there has to be accountability on both sides. I, I just I, I can't get past the fact that everything is being locked down because there's a large group of people who might not like the verdict. And even the judge in the case said, you know, where is if, if you want to. And again, you don't call up swearing, but I would like to Congressman Cicilline say. Representative Waters shouldn't have been saying that we need violence out there. So, um, this I, was the Chauvin defense witness. Uh, I mean, defense lawyer. Avoid it. And it is so per- pervasive that it is, I just don't know how this jury, it can really be said to be that they are free from the taint of this. Um, and now that we have U.S. representatives, uh, threatening acts of, of, uh, of violence in relation to the specific case uh, is, is mind-boggling to me, Judge. Well, I'll give you that Congresswoman and Waters may have given you something on appeal that may result in this whole trial being overturned. But what's the state's position? How about that? 
The jury says we came back with guilty because we were afraid if we didn't, we were going to cause a riot. Is that where we're now heading? You can't enable the violent crowd. You can't enable the violent mob. This is not mob rule. But the problem is the country has already moved into mob rule. There are people that operate that way and they're not being called out. We saw it with the statues. We saw it with the monuments. We saw it locally with the Christopher Columbus statue. We better take it down. Otherwise, the mob is going to rip it down. So we might as well just take it down. Folks, good afternoon. It's 1257. It's John DePietro. Obviously, we are on Verdict Watch with the Chauvin Verdict. This portion of the program is brought to you by, hey, how about making sure the outside of your home or business doesn't have any green algae or moss? You want Bethel Soft Wash. That's right. You can call or t- well, text Jared at 401-617-2585. Bethel Certified Soft Wash. B-E-T-H-E-L. You can find Jared on Facebook um, for Bethel, B-E-T, Bethel Certified Softwash. The website is RhodeIslandSoftwashing.com. It's very simple. Green algae, moss, any type of stains, they can remove it. Simply, easy, uh, very low pressure. They do a, he does a tremendous job. It's all biodegradable. It's plant safe. Bethel, B-E-T-H-E-L, Bethel Certified Softwash for your Building or restaurant or home or roof or deck or basketball court or patio or walkway, Bethel Certified Softwash. Contact them today. Look for them on both Facebook and also their website is RhodeIslandSoftwashing.com for Bethel Certified Softwash. Well, folks, right now, good afternoon. It's John DePietro on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Now, we have another hour to go. I'm going to play more sound. Plus, President Trump was on uh, with Hannity last night on Fox. Um, Here's what we're going to do. We are awaiting. We're on verdict watch in case anything happens. Obviously, bring it to you. But in the meantime, we are going to uh, break for the 1 o'clock news. Next hour, radio only, AM 1380 or 99.9 FM. The power hour is next. Bring you more sound of the news of the day. As the nation is awaiting this verdict, leave it right here. It's John DePietro on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. You can listen online at the website, which is DePietro.com. We'll be right back on the other side after the 1 o'clock news. W260DC.